It's episode 599 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm talking about the best win of the Rangers season, the best start of Martin Perez's career, and how the Rangers failed to build on that. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Paddock, host of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast in year four of hosting this pod, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, here to break down Everything from a very exciting week of baseball, some really great games, including the best game of the Rangers season on Friday night. It is Monday, May 23rd, and your Rangers are sitting in third place in the AOS at 18 and 22. Thank you all for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. You can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. And the best way that you can help grow the show is to subscribe on YouTube and comment something below. Comment. I dislike the Astros comment. Jose Altuve is too short to be a good play- baseball player, so it makes sen- no sense how he's so good at baseball, and it's very frustrating. Um, or I love Martin Perez. You can, you can, you can comment that below because. I, I absolutely love Martin Perez. I'm going to get into his great Friday start. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now, Friday night, the Rangers beat the Astros 3 to nothing in the greatest start of Martin Perez's career. A complete game shout-out his first since, I believe, 2014. His first complete game came against the Astros um, back in the very, very early days of, career, of his career. This is his fourth uh, complete game of his career. And it was a special game, not just because he absolutely dominated the Astros, because of who he dedicated this game to. Now, I don't know how much y'all know about Rangers third base coach Tony Beasley, but he is one of the best people in all of baseball. Absolutely beloved, has been with the Rangers, the longest tenured Rangers coach on this staff, one of the very few from the Jeff Bannister regime that is still there. He is beloved. He missed the entire year due to cancer. He has been you know, getting treatment for that for several, several years. And this week was really special for him because he was officially declared cancer free. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment for him. Everybody in the organization is so happy for him. Martin Perez was really close with him because, you know, everybody's close with him because everybody loves him. And so earlier in the week, he said, Tony, I'm dedicating this game to you and your family because of all that you've been through, all the struggles that you have gone through, and this great, great moment. I mean, they told him this week that he had had a tremendous amount of cancer, which it's not something you ever want to hear. Not just you had cancer, but you had a tremendous amount of it. But he is officially cancer-free, got his last scan. No more doctor visits, no more chemo, no more treatments. It is just so special. I'm so happy for him. And that's why this game was even more special than just the absolute gem that Martin Perez threw. He was painting both sides of the plate not even getting that many, you know, out of the strike zone calls. He was just hitting his spots, and that's what he has done so effectively all year. He went nine shutout innings, struck out five, only walked one, and did allow eight hits. He was able to work around those base runners, only allowed the hits later on in the game. 
he was absolutely flying through this game and he was going to have a Maddox, which if you don't know what a Maddox is, it's named after Greg Maddox because he did this so much. It's a complete game shutout with under 100 pitches. He was on pace to do that, but this stupid long bat late in the game kept him from doing that. I think it was against Martin Maldonado, of course, of all people. Um, actually, no, no, I think it was against somebody else because he only had uh, one at-bat in this game. So I think it might have been somebody else that I was thinking of. But anyway, it was a long at-bat late in the game that went eight pitches, which was you know more than he threw pitches in some of these innings. He was so efficient. He was so good. It was a complete pitcher's duel until the fourth inning, a shutout duel. And then Cole Calhoun, of course, hits his sixth home run of the season. Another great series for Cole Calhoun, who continues to be just red hot. Corey Seager had, I believe, his first extra base hit on the road of the season. He might have had a double somewhere else. But this is his third double this even season off of Christian Javier, who was, again, fantastic in this one. He went six innings of just one run baseball. The only run, of course, was the home run in the fourth inning and struck out nine. <clears throat> and again, the Astros pen looked fantastic, except for Rafael Montero, former Ranger great, who had some struggles with walks and uh, some some throwing errors. So he did allow two runs, but those didn't count towards his ERA, which is still sub one, which I was wondering why that didn't count. But I remember he threw a pick an error on the pickoff throw, which Here's something, a scoring little nuance that I, I think we should change. If the pitcher is the one who has the error, like on a, I don't know, a, a wild pitch, a wild throw, a pick, bad pickoff throw, a bad fielding error, I think that that should count as an earned run because it's still the pitcher's fault is not the defense's fault, even though he is the defense in that moment. But anyway, Martin Perez was just attacking these hitters. He talked about how, you know, in years past, he was, you know, a little bit too deferential, a little bit too respectful of opposing hitters and this year it's not that he doesn't respect them or doesn't think they're good because he knows this lineup is, is really stinking good i mean they've gotten to him several times in his career but he knows you know what i'm really good too i've got major league stuff i have 10 years in the big leagues i'm gonna go attack these guys because even the best hitters get themselves out 70 percent of the time so why not go at these guys, trust my stuff, hit my spots, know exactly where I'm throwing, and just let it rip. And he absolutely did. The Rangers offense that it would come up for him. I mean, that one home run was, was enough to win this game, but the Rangers still tacked on more so they could feel comfortable in the ninth inning. There was some drama in the ninth inning, a little bit of worries that... Uh, he wasn't going to be able to finish it because he had some base runners that were allowed. Um, Jose Altuve got out, and and Marti, or Michael Brantley struck out as as well, which is a really really difficult thing to do. He's in the bottom or the top five percent of baseball in terms of not swinging and missing. Um, I think he's also top five percent baseball for not striking out as well. But Alex Bregman singled, Kyle Tucker singled as well. Um, some decently hard hit balls, and out comes Woody onto the mound. <clears throat> with two outs, he says, you know what? You got this. You got this. I'm just here to settle you down. You got Yuli Gurriel coming up. You've got this. I trust you. You're my guy. I'm not going to pull you. <clears throat> this is it. And he was rewarded. Yuli Gurriel flew out to left fielder Eli White, and the Rangers 
took home their best win of the season. Just a team performance. Eli White was able to reach on a fielder's choice in the top of the eighth um, because of uh, Rafael Montero had a uh, bad throw. <clears throat> Nathaniel Lowe got to third base. Eli White went to second on that error, and Mitch Garver was able to score. Marcus Simeon also drove in a run, a well-hit ball to the left side and through. <clears throat> he has been much improved. I talked on... Friday's episode about his struggles and why I'm concerned. Also, some reason for upside and some reason for optimism, and he definitely continued that reason for optimism. I'm going to get into a little bit more of Marcus Simeon's reason for optimism <clears throat> and what he has done so far in the last week that has made me much more encouraged than I was going in and still a little bit of concerns of something that he didn't do in Houston. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. They have a new flavor called the Brownie Batter Puff that I have got to tell you guys about. I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter while I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could just lick the brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You're in luck because Built has a new creation. This one is better than ever. The Brownie Batter Puff. You heard me right. The puff takes protein bars to a whole new level. They're available right now on Built.com. They are 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. They will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to Built.com to get the brownie batter puffs now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Now, for your second listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Marcus Simeon has an eight-game on-base streak that started the day after he got his day off. I think part of that was the timing of baseball, Major League Baseball deciding to rejuice the baseballs. I think you should just not dejuice them in the first place, but... It's looking like the bell is not as dead as it used to be, so that is very encouraging. He's also having better plate appearances. He had that day off. You know, he is a guy who likes to play 162 games. And his two top three MVP finishes, which, unless he absolutely lights the entire world on fire for the next you know rest of the season, which he could do, he's probably not going to have another top three MVP finish. He might not even have a top ten, but I, I think he could get in there. If he starts hitting like the Rangers, no, he can. He talked about part of it being him putting too much pressure on himself, him being like, I, I didn't, I don't know how to like deal with this. I am so frustrated. What he talked about him caring too much, which, you know, that, that, that's a good problem to have at times, but it's still a problem because he wants to put pressure on himself. He wants to be the best. He wants to be that guy who the Rangers are paying a crap ton of money to because they know he is that good of a baseball player. And something that Hunter Pence pointed out on the Friday night broadcast, by the way, another fantastic Friday night broadcast from the Apple TV Plus crew. Uh, Love the Katie Nolan and Hunter Pence booth. They did a great job there. And something Hunter Pence pointed out that uh, because he is a many, many year big league veteran and all-star and very smart baseball person. You know, something that I had not with Marcus Simeon swing, and it was that his back elbow was, or his right elbow was sticking out just a little bit too much. And instead of pulling it back in where it was last year and when he was hitting a little bit better, that was one of the reasons for his struggles. And he said that could be part of the reason why he's struggling on fastballs. So that was a nice little thing that Hunter Pence pointed out that uh, I 
did not notice. He probably looked at it for about three seconds, like, oh, yeah, let me just diagnose the swing, and here's everything that's wrong. That's why that's why there's a lot of value in guys who played the game and bringing that analysis, and Hunter Pence did a great job of that in, like, five minutes, figuring out something that has been plaguing me for a month and a half, trying to figure out why Marcus Simeon struggled. But, yeah, he has struggled on those fastballs, but he is hitting balls a lot harder in these last several games. Over the last seven games, he has had much better numbers. Part of that is during his eight game on base streak or actually all of it is during his eight game on base streak he also has a five game hit streak as well so in the last seven games that's 27 at bats he's got eight hits one rbi three walks five strikeouts hitting 296 on base of 367 but he's only slugging 333 i thought that he would get his first home run of the season in houston i really did and i because he has hit so well. He's got an 845, or before the series, he had an 845 OPS going in at Minute Maid Park. They've got those short left field Crawford boxes. I thought, all right, just pop a little ball right over left field, and you got this. And <clears throat> there was one pitch late in the game on, uh, I believe it was Saturday night, maybe it was, maybe it was Sunday afternoon, that he had a 3-0 fastball right down Broadway, that he hit 105 miles an hour, just hit it a little bit too straight. It was right at the center fielder, and I thought it was going to be his first home run of the season. It was not, he, but he continues to hit baseballs hard. He is barreling up pitches at a much higher rate than he had in the past, but he's still not quite lifting the ball enough, not quite. Uh, the timing is looking a lot better on those fastballs. He's hitting a lot of balls to center field, so you know he is just right on his timing. <clears throat> it's just the amount of times that he's hitting the ball right at infielders or on the ground or just not quite high enough and over the fence he needs to hit that ball just a little bit harder a little bit further actually more just more like just a little bit higher a little bit further at that point because offensively he is starting to figure it out it's matriculating again it's a little bit slow but we are seeing some signs of life there and the on base going way up and him not striking out during this whole season even when he was struggling has been a nice encouraging start but the rangers offense struggled to not strike out in this series against the astros it was one of their worst strikeouts definitely their worst strikeout series of the season actually i have to go back and look at what they did against the astros in that other four game series because that might have been a little bit worse because these astros pitchers are really really good at striking hitters out and the rangers improved quite a bit they struck out a whole lot last year they were one of the best in the league at not striking out this year probably a little bit further down the leaderboard after this series in four games. They had strikeouts of 13, 11, 10, 13. That only 10 strikeout game came on Saturday when Justin Verlander was on the mound, which is a little surprising. But again, the expected numbers for this offense are continue to be much, much better. Cole Calhoun has a uh, on-base streak of, I believe it's at 12 games at this point. In the month of May, he continues to absolutely crush baseballs he's still slugging 683 for the month of may and on base of 373 his expected numbers are going way way up in his last 15 games he's slugging 784 in 15 games that's 51 at bats he's got six home runs at that point um hitting 353 as well in an on base of 414 he's got three home runs in his last seven games the guy just continues to destroy baseballs and that is something that we love to see it, his expected numbers are going way way up his advanced numbers as well barrel percenters in the top 10 percent of baseball hundred percenters in the top 11 percent expected slugging expected woba average exit velocity all those in the top 25 percent of baseball 
He's still striking out quite a bit, whiffing in the bottom 5% of baseball, not walking a whole lot, but he's making great, great contact, and he's hitting it very stinking hard when he does, and the baseball's going far. He's hitting opposite field home runs. He's hitting pole side home runs. He's spraying baseballs all over the field, and that's what you really, really love to see. And the same goes for Corey Seager. His his spray chart is absolutely beautiful. Got hits all over the diamond. He's got home runs to center field. Uh, he's got three home runs to left field. Three home runs to right field, two home runs to center field. So literally just a perfect spray. It's absolutely beautiful. He is pulling the ball a little bit more than he has in years past. He's not hitting it to center field quite as often. He's pulling it 41.8% of the time. He's hitting it opposite field 31% of the time. Now in his career, he's about 4, 4% higher than his average career rate. He's hitting it to center field 11% less than he has in his career. He's still hitting the ball really stinking hard. His expected numbers are just absolutely beautiful. Expected Woba, expected batting average, expected slugging, hard hit percentage, all of those in the top 20% of baseball. He's walking at a great rate, not striking out. And his defense is actually above average, according to Alex Above Average. He's in the 63rd percentile of shortstops in Major League Baseball. That is encouraging because one of the you know, questions about him was, can he stick at shortstop defensively? And so far, he's done a pretty good job of it. So, I mean, he's not been elite by any means, but he hasn't botched a whole lot of routine plays. He's made some above average plays, and that has been encouraging to see. Again, he was another one who was robbed of quite a few extra base hits in this one. Just absolutely smashing baseballs, even a 108-mile-an-hour line drive that was just hit right at Jose Altuve on Sunday. I think his numbers are going to continue to get a little bit better on the road, hopefully against this Angels pitching staff that has been good at times, but also the Rangers have been able to get to. I think he can continue to improve his road numbers so his splits aren't just obscenely scary. He's also going to have four games in Oakland against a team that is really, really struggling right now in the Oakland A's to improve those numbers on the road as well. But Coming up, I'm going to look a little bit at a couple of Rangers hitters who have struggled and the rest of the games this weekend. Now, let's talk about some Rangers offensively who are struggling because not everybody is hitting the ball as well as uh, as Corey Seager and Cole Calhoun. This has been a really rough stretch for Eli White. It's been kind of a rough, long stretch for Eli White. Um, in the last 15 games, it's been an absolute struggle. He's slugging just 233 on base of 265, an average of 163. You look in the last seven games, that's 24 at-bats. He's striking out more than half the time at 13 strikeouts. He's only got one walk in that time, only three hits. Slash line of 125, 160, and 125. He's got a four-strikeout game on Sunday against Houston, it's just been a real struggle for him. And he's had a couple of good games in the leadoff spot, but mainly he should stay in that number nine slot. I kind of like having Brad Miller in there just a little bit more than him. Brad Miller has actually made some really nice plays at third base defensively. And if they do decide to send Andy Ibanez down, I think moving at Brad Miller there every day at third base wouldn't be such a bad deal having him and Charlie Culberson play third base this year. Another platoon split with somebody who hits some baseballs pretty hard and Charlie Culberson at third base while they wait for Josh Young to get healthy, which again, really, really bummed by his injury there. This would have been a great year for him to come up and absolutely mash. And the Raiders could definitely use his bat in at third base, but 
This has been a bit of a struggle for him. Also, Joe DeHaim, his numbers have come back down to earth just a little bit more in the last 15 games since he's been the everyday starter. He's going to continue to be the everyday starter at catcher um, until sometime around maybe end of June, early July. We'll see what that looks like. But his last 15 games, he's really struggling to get on base, hitting just 208, then on base of 255, and slugging just 333 been a little bit of a scuffle for him. I think he'll turn around. I don't think he's going to continue to put up a 900 OPS for the season because that's just not super realistic. At this point, he has an 831 OPS. has dropped quite a bit down in the last week or so. Does have a home run in the last seven games, but only one home run in the last 15 games after four games, or three in the, I believe, 15 or so before that. So, We'll see if he can get those numbers back up. I think he can. Sam Huff has been doing a really good job, still striking out quite a bit, and does not have an extra race hit, which is very surprising. He nearly had one that would have given the Rangers the lead late, I believe, on Saturday night, or maybe it was... Um, no, I think, I think it was in Saturday night's game. He had a pinch-hitting appearance late in that one, ended up striking out, hit a ball as far as far as you could just so close down the right field line opposite field but it ended up going foul and the rangers lost that one two to one that was a solid performance by john gray who has another impressive start since he's getting a little bit more healthy we've had a few more nice starts from him in his last game he bounced back after a rough first inning put up some decent numbers in New York against the Yankees. So his last three starts, there have been some encouraging moments there. That was the game where against the Angels, the Rangers were able to rally behind him and, you know, just destroy Thor in the bottom of the first inning after going down three, nothing. That was a really, really encouraging moment for them. But again, we're going to need to see a little bit more from him. I like that he has gone nearly six innings or at least pitched into the sixth inning in his last two starts. He needs to continue to do that. Hopefully he can allow um, closer to the two runs that he allowed against Houston. Also, one of those two runs came on a wild pitch and I literally just said that it shouldn't be charged of, but it was a, such a close play. And in that 2-1 loss, that ended up being the difference. It was catcher Jason Castro who was on third base. They were in a bit of a shift. So Andy Ibanez was away from third base and the Rangers looked like they were trying to bait him. They just kept letting him go farther and farther and farther, take a bigger and bigger lead. And on the pitch, it looked like they were about to back pick him because Andy Ibanez was coming right after that pitch and the pitch got away from Jonah Heim and bounced off the backstop, bounced right back to Jonah Heim. He nearly got Jason Castro to tag him out at home plate, but Castro made a great read, and the Rangers were trying something a little bit a, a little bit cheeky there, but it didn't quite work out. It's a little frustrating, but the offense, again, wasted some chances in that one. This is kind of the story of the weekend. Dennis Santana had it – this was the best game of the bullpen by the weekend, or for the weekend, except for you know Martin Perez's start, where they didn't pitch at all. So they uh, didn't have to do anything, but this bullpen had been worn down. They'd played eight games in seven days last week, and they were coming off of that and hadn't had a day off in a while. They have a day off today, Monday, so they can kind of rest and recuperate, but they were kind of running on fumes a little bit there. Two shutout innings from the bullpen after John Gray's start. Mitch Garber had his third double of the season. Corey Seager had another double, came off of Hector Neris. Another great start for Justin Verlander, who the Rangers were able to get to and get some base runners on, but they just could not drive them in. Two for seven with runners in scoring position. Eight runners left on base. Nadolis Garcia was one of those runners that was left on base. He was trying to steal 
or actually, no, he was not left on base, but he was an out on the base pass. He was trying to get aggressive and steal third base, and he was just very polite. He almost got it. The Rangers, uh, I think they challenged it, or it was reviewed, and he was just inches away from getting in there at third base, which I believe would have been with still one out in the inning, and he could a sack fly could have driven him in by, I think it was Cole Calhoun that was on base at that point. Um, but he was able to single home to the opposite field and score Corey Seager, who did hit that double, but it wasn't quite enough. The Rangers were rallying. It was Cole Calhoun that struck out. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was one out. So if, if Cole Calhoun had just put the ball in play in the outfield, which he ended up not doing after that. So it ended up being a moot point, but Adolis came in and immediately, immediately apologized to Chris Woodward said, I'm never doing that again. I'm so sorry. That was such a bad decision. And Woodward said, no, no, don't apologize. Yeah, you got thrown out. Yeah, maybe get a little bit better of a jump, a little bit better of a read, uh, maybe steal on a little bit better of a pitch. But we want you to be aggressive. This is what we want from you. This is what makes you such a good player is because you are so aggressive. You're so fast and you are. All these hitters, all these hitters, and all these runners on the base pass. He wants them to be aggressive, like Eli White, especially who has been just super aggressive. That's where a lot of his value has been. He's got eight stolen bases so far this season, and has been just an absolute terror on the base pass for the Rangers, and has not been caught stealing yet. I mean, pretty much everybody on this Rangers team has been very aggressive in terms of stealing bases. Adolis Garcia has four stolen bases. Marcus Simeon has three. Yeni Baez, Nick Solak, all those guys have three. Brandon Miller has four stolen bases as well. So this team has been aggressive. They've been successful doing that, and the Rangers want him to keep doing that one. Uh, keep doing that and just keep being aggressive on these base paths. On Sunday, this is another frustrating game where the Rangers were close but no cigar. There, there were a lot of moments. I mean, while... This Astros bullpen is really good. They're not quite as infallible as they had been in years past. The Rangers were able to get six hits off of Jose Urquidy, who did look really solid. This one had 10 strikeouts against the Rangers, and Taylor Hearn gave up four runs. One of those was from Brett Martin coming in in the pen and allowing the inherited runner to score. Matt Moore, if he had just not allowed that run, not a super great performance from him in his one inning of work. I kind of wish they had used somebody different because... Then the Rangers would have been a little bit closer. It would have been two to four, and they would have had the bases loaded for Jonah Heim coming up in the bottom of that inning. But again, that's not always how things work out. Not a great day for Ryan Presley, but he ended up doing enough to come in and get the save. The Rangers started in that ninth inning. They were down by four runs, and I thought, okay, well, this one's pretty much over. They had their best chance in that eighth inning with some really hard-hit baseballs. Marcus Simeon struck out, but uh, Corey Seager, I believe that was the ball that he hit 108 miles an hour. Then Adoles Garcia lined out really sharply to right fielder Kyle Tucker, and I believe that one was also hit 100 miles an hour. The Rangers just kept hitting baseballs hard, and they just kept freaking finding gloves in that sixth inning. I believe that was when Corey Seager had just a surefire double, a surefire double the opposite field, left center field. But again, Chaz McCormick is a really dang good defensive center fielder. He knows that field well, and while it is a little bit short to left and right field, that center field is huge. The wall is super high. It's not quite as big as it was when they had the stupid green hill. I don't know why they did that. I'm sure plenty of guys got injured running out to that. But again, their center field still plays really, really big. 
down the left field line in those Crawford boxes is short. Down the right field line is also a pretty short wall. So you can get it out when you pull it right down the left field, but left center field left and right center field and just deep center field, all those are really hard to play. But he hit it 105 miles an hour, I believe, into that gap. But Chad McCormick made a great play on it and was able to rob them. And, you know, right before uh, that was that was when um, that was when I thought for sure that it was going to be the first home run of the season by Marcus Simeon. It was in that Sunday game. Again, Chad McCormick, it was, he was right there at 3-0 fastball right down the middle, got a hold of it, was right on it hit it dead to center field and just right into the center fielder's glove. It was just a bit of a bummer. He had two two guys on. Mitch Garver just hit his fourth home run of the season, and that one he is absolutely blasting baseballs right now. It's really great to have him back in the Rangers lineup. Even if it is just as the DH, he is still providing a whole lot of value in that everyday DH role, a little bit more offense than Brad Miller or some of the other guys that the Rangers have put in there. But that ninth inning, the Rangers were were right in it. Cole Calhoun, it started off in the first three pitches of of that ninth inning. Rangers had Cole Calhoun single immediately on the first pitch of the inning. Mitch Garver got hit by a pitch in the second pitch of his at-bat. And uh, Blake Taylor was really, really struggling. Ryan Stanek um, had a, a nice inning, but he was pulled after that. Nathaniel Lowe put together a pretty good at-bat, but ended up striking out swinging. Then Sam Huff singles to left field. Bases are loaded for Brad Miller, who singles to center field and scores Cole Calhoun, but the Rangers are able only only able to go station to station. A lot of slow base runners on the pass at that point. You had Cole Calhoun, Mitch Garver, and Sam Huff. So you had two catchers there, and then Brad Miller gets on, who is a little bit faster than that. But in comes Jonah Heim, pinch hitting for Eli White, which I think is by far the right decision. And Heim grounded into a double play and ended the Rangers' chances. I was kind of bummed about that. I would have rather him struck out and give Marcus Simeon one more chance to hit that first home run of the season. Would have been a perfect time for it, but he put together a solid at-bat. You know, He had a 3-1 count, and he swung at a pitch that he liked. He just ended up hitting it on the ground to the second baseman. But the Rangers were right in these games, and I know they're frustrated and that you know close, win- close losses are still losses, but... This team is hanging with the big boys. They are pretty much in almost every single game that they are playing these days, especially against this just red-hot red hot Houston Astros team. The only games they've been out of, really, so far in the month of May have been some of those games against the Red Sox. This is a team that is much improved. They're still a little bit below 500. they They're still sitting at third in the division at this point. Still a better record than the Mariners, which is just very, very surprising with how good I thought the Mariners would be. But... Again, third place finish in this division is a would be a huge, huge win for the Rangers. Anything at 500 or especially above 500 would be a huge win for the Rangers. It's still a long season. They've got a couple of games in Anaheim against still a really, really good Angels team. And Mike Trout continues to be just stupid good. I think he's got like something like 37 hits in his last two games. I, I'm not sure if the math is right on that one, but I, I'm pretty sure... 200% of them are home runs. But again, you got to work around that. You got to work around Shoei Otani. The Rangers just swept the Angels. I'm sure the Angels will be very pissed. And I'm hoping the Rangers can snap their losing streak, at least split this series. I'm not hoping for another sweep against the Angels. But then they got four games in Oakland this weekend. Hopefully, they can pull out three out of four 
in Oakland. I know it's been a little bit of a bugaboo for them over the last couple of years. Even when the A's are supposed to be down, the Rangers have struggled against them. But this is not that same A's team. They are kind of in shambles right now, so the Rangers need to take advantage and hopefully can snap this little losing streak on Tuesday with Dane Dunning on the hill. I'll be talking more about what the Angels have been doing and a little bit of a look at the minor leagues in tomorrow's episode. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode and maybe we'll get six this week. We'll see. We'll see. I'm trying to get a crossover with Jason Burke of Locked on A's for later in the week, but going to be a fun week of baseball. Enjoy the day off. Watch some other team play baseball. Maybe watch some basketball or hockey. I don't know. But thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make it locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please just call him Sully. Takes you through the major leagues, both past and present, with his unique perspective. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.